You are listening to Cortez Community Radio, CKTZ 89.5 FM, broadcasting from Cortez Island, B.C. Today, Cortez Currents is trying out a new format, live interview with some time for call-ins later in the show. Please be aware that the views and opinions heard on this show are not necessarily those of the Cortez Community Radio Society, its staff, its programmers, or its members. I'm Dee Clark, and this is Cortez Currents. Welcome to Cortez Currents Talk Radio. And I'm here in the studio today for the inaugural show with my guest Adam McKenty, who today is representing CEDA, C-C-E-D-A, right? Which is what the organization formerly known as Chibata turned into. Chibata was Cortez Island Business and Tourism Association, but CEDA is Cortez Community Economic Development Association. And that's an interesting change in the title. And I thought uh, we might start out by asking about why tourism disappeared from the organizational title and what is community economic development? Good questions. And uh, thanks for getting our both our acronym and our title correct. That's, uh, that's an achievement that, that few have um, made it to so far. The difference, I think, is that community economic development is really about widening the focus of economic development to look at the well-being of the whole community. Yeah, so I think um, with the refocus from Business and Tourism Association to Community Economic Development Association is really... uh, it's the renaming represents a reorientation of the organization away from so much uh, focusing on the Chamber of Commerce model, focusing on tourism development, and focusing on asking bigger questions about what kind of economy we want on the island and what steps can we take to go in the direction of the economy we want or the economy that will support um, the lifestyles and livelihoods that we would like to to be able to um, to experience on Cortez. So it sounds like um, what you're talking about is letting the economic activity support the quality of life in the community rather than considering the quality of life in the community something that you might want to sacrifice in order to generate more financial activity. Right, and uh, I think that's a good way to put it. And also, it kind of inverts the the normal concept of economic development where you're really focusing on um, the dollars and how do we bring more money into the community, which mm-hmm. might look like you know enticing corporations to build factories or hotels or or pretty narrowly focusing on things like the number of jobs or the level of wages or what you know the level of external investment in the community mm-hmm. and assuming that changing that metric is going to have the desired effects on mm-hmm. quality of life and uh, opportunities and, and lifestyles in the community whereas what we're doing is looking at 
what are the what are the quality of life things that we want to have in the community what is what does community well-being look like mm-hmm. and then what can we do to tailor or to shape or to to support our economy to provide that um so it it's a it's a reframing of what economic development is for and what it looks like and and we're not the first ones to to make this shift it's been Community economic development is a phrase that's used at least in a lot of places in British Columbia, um, on other islands, for example, to, to describe a more holistic approach that, that, that really explicitly takes into account things like ecological sustainability, social sustainability, mm-hmm. um, taking care of those who are marginalized or mm-hmm. who are, have, have fewer opportunities economically or otherwise measuring well-being by a lot more and more complex indices than just cash flow right and you have a board of seven people six at the moment six at the moment of which uh three continued on from ciabatta and the others are new to the effort so one of the things you must be thinking about then is um in terms of economic activity on cortez what basis do we have for that? Can we increase our capacity for economic activity, productivity here? Obviously, as an extraction zone, coastal BC is pretty much done. Mm -hmm. And as far as tourism, I think a number of people would probably say we'd been a little too successful in that area. So where do you see um, opportunities for further activity, for expanding what we can do here? Right. Well, I think the opportunities are huge and and the challenge that we have with CETA is to to kind of focus our efforts and figure out what's the what's the activity that we can do to make the most difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like I can't entirely speak from from the perspective of CETA on most of these questions because we're fairly new as the as the kind of reborn version of Chibata mm-hmm. with a new board and we haven't really done the strategic planning steps mm-hmm. that would allow us to say from the perspective of CETA this is what we want to do. Just out of interest how long have you been an organization so far? How old is this organization? Well CETA so the Chibata um I'm not sure what the date that Chibata was founded was. I think it was maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 2012, maybe earlier. You might know. I was thinking about the new organization. How right. old is CETA itself? So we we renamed officially um, last fall. Okay, so you're actually quite young as a Cortez organization. We are quite young. And our new board, we had an AGM uh, in December, and our new board has only met once. Oh, okay. So I think um, I think we are all fairly clear, and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of agreement among the board of what direction we're going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we haven't we haven't made a strategic plan that tells us what things we are specifically focusing on. But mm-hmm. what we do have is the leap report, which was sort of the the process out of which CEDA emerged. So there was a there was a leap which stands for local economic action plan mm-hmm. that involved a big committee of a bunch of stakeholders from different sectors on the island, and the, at the end of that there was this fantastic report that was produced that that actually uh, identified community economic development as the direction that we wanted to go in. 
Okay. Um, and from there, this this renaming of Jabata and kind of restarting of the organization and with a different foundation came out. But in terms of what avenues of economic activity we would like to see supported, um, like I said, we haven't really answered that question for the organization, but I can speak from what my perspective is and my sense of what the other people on the board and the f- people in the community that I've spoken to seem mm-hmm. to seem to feel. Um, and that is, is that we need to be looking quite holistically at the, the economy of Cortez as a whole mm-hmm. and what we want to be doing for livelihoods and then support the things that will allow us to do that. So my sense is that it's it's fairly it's fairly unanimous in the people that i've spoken to that that it's worth being cautious about promoting tourism heavily like you said that maybe maybe from some from some folks perspective we might have been too successful or <laughs> or at least we need to focus our focus our efforts on broadening our economic base rather than rather than being too dependent on tourism well the narrow focus on tourism i mean exposes us very strongly to um, fluctuations in the global economy. Tourism is one of the first things to take a dip if there's a downturn, you know, in, uh, in the larger financial world. And also, as we've seen, the overfocus on tourism comes with some unexpected side effects. Right. So balancing that out a bit um, would be very helpful. Yeah, and I think the, the, the opportunities are myriad. Um, in small-scale artisan crafts, in value-added wood processing, in education, um, and in in changing the the way that we promote tourism, or being more being more conscious of how we want to bring people to the island, and what we want to be providing to those people that come to the island. Okay, what are some of your ideas along those lines? Well, I think it's. In in developing an economic strategy, it's worth keeping in mind that we want the the thing that people are coming for not to be damaged by the fact that they're coming, if that makes sense. So right. so in conventional kind of wilderness tourism or people coming to Cortez as a place that's that's that somehow um, unspoiled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more people come, the more it is in some sense spoiled by mm-hmm. the presence of, of that many visitors. And I think that we've kind of gotten off easy on Cortez because we're so remote, but some places like Hornby um, have, have experienced this to a much more extreme degree. So, so the kinds of tourism that, that in my mind would be appropriate for us to be focusing on would be ways that, for example, that, that people could come to the island in order to learn about the things that we are good at on Cortez. Particularly if there are things that we are good at that are going to be needed or that are that are needed in the larger world. If we're if we're implementing solutions to global challenges here on Cortez mm-hmm. and people can come here to learn about that, not only does it does it provide revenue from tourism, but also supports the things that we're doing on the island that we want to be focusing on or that, that folks on the island are inspired mm. about is my sense and as for example there are several small communities out there in the world where there's um a very well-known say organic farm in the area and people travel to that farm to do internships or to study organic agriculture so it's a sort of combination 
of tourism and education and in a way world changing at the same time. Right. And and this is a combination that I'm that I'm extremely enthusiastic about personally. Um, and I think there's big potential there. And I think that Cortez already does this to mm-hmm. a significant degree. Definitely Linnea has been mm-hmm. has been doing exactly the model that you're describing. Uh, certainly in the past, and I think continuing, and and there's also, there's Hollyhock, and for some time the Bainbridge Institute was working here as well. I think that it's, to to pull back a bit from the question, it's not really for for me or for us as CEDA to say what the activity, you know, what what is it that we need to do. Mm-hmm. It's for us to ask the question and to support the island community to ask itself that question like to 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 be the forum for that conversation about what kind of economy do we want and to let the the people of the island kind of make that decision Mm -hmm. and then to really be there to support islanders implementing that well let's talk about those specifics for a moment like um what are some of the ways in which an organization like CETA when it gets going can actually help people, say, if they want to start up a small business, um, if they need help marketing? Are there really specific services that CETA could offer along those lines? Definitely. Okay. Um, What what are some of those? We're in the early stages of all of this, but (laughs) I think we've already identified that there are needs around business development um, business support for people to develop business plans, for example. support in connecting entrepreneurs with with financing mm-hmm. with uh with with training for things like bookkeeping uh how to manage employees how to deal with the regulations um you have members of CETA who are themselves business owners right right and we have it's been it's been really encouraging the response that we've had within the community since since we sort of became CETA and started started reaching out somewhat with this community economic development model. We have a whole a whole kind of uh, circle of business owners and people with experience who are who have offered and are ready to help provide oh, support or who are training. Willing to stand as sort of mentors exactly. and incubators exactly. for other people. Yeah. Oh. I think there's a real awareness of this need on the island and we've started we've started partnering with other organizations to produce events there was the making it on cortez forum Mm -hmm. last month um, and there will be more in the future i want to step back just a moment to um artisanal production which is something you mentioned in passing obviously at the moment that's really tied to the tourist boom and bust cycle every year I mean, people hope to sell their stuff at the markets in the summer when the tourists are here. Do you have some ideas about um, flattening out that cycle a little bit so it isn't just three months in the summer? Do you have any ideas of how to make Cortez artisanal products available? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we have we have uh, an overabundance of ideas, perhaps. <laughs> um, but I think the ideas for that in particular uh, range on the spectrum. We we have some artisans on Cortez that have been very successful selling online, like Etsy sites. Like exactly. That? Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the 
one of the efforts that we're making is to connect those people who have the expertise with people who have products but maybe don't have the expertise or haven't don't have the experience of successfully mm -hmm. selling online and then another another potential project that I'm very enthusiastic about um, is the possibility of setting up a, a sort of Etsy for Cortez, if you will. Um, a, a thing a, like Etsy, but Cortez specific. Exactly. A, mm. an, an online retail store, it could be titled mm. Made on Cortez. Mm -hmm. And it would be a channel through which the people who are producing products that they sell, for example, at the markets or even at the co-op or other mm. retail outlets on the island, could sell them online throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And if we could build a bit of a, a marketing engine for this and handle some of the administration, then it could be a very smooth process for someone to take their product that they have at the market and snap a photograph of it and describe it and, and put it up on the platform mm -hmm. and then be able to sell, particularly sell to uh, summer residents or visitors of Cortez when they're away from Cortez. So, for right. example, for holiday shopping, um, and the, the messaging could be something like, you know, support the island that you love when you are wherever else you go when you're not back in the lower Maine or exactly, wherever you yeah. spend your winter. Yeah. yeah. So this is an idea that I've been that I've been thinking about for a while and mm -hmm. and, and mentioning to people. But it's not uh, to be really clear, it's not uh, something that CEDA has has taken on as a project yet. We're still mm -hmm. really in the in the needs of assessment. Mm -hmm. phase so we're we're asking people what can we do to help you uh develop a business or sell your products or what what are the bottlenecks that people on cortez face when attempting to set up enterprises from ranging from really really small to larger and then what can we as a economic development organization what can we do to to help. So who is CEDA at the moment? Um, obviously, you're a member of the board. Who are the other board members? Other board members are Colin Funk, mm -hmm. who has been... He's, well, he was he's with Chibata veteran. before. Yes, yeah. he, he was with Chibata. Um, and Brittany Baxter also was on the Chibata board for mm -hmm. a shorter period of time. And she's on CEDA board mm -hmm. as well. Barent van der Vorm. Mm -hmm. is uh, a recent Cortez resident um, also on the board. Matt Kushana. Mm -hmm. uh, and the sixth board member is Lonnie Taylor. Okay. Well, that's quite a diverse group. It is. And, and I'm super happy that we have this mixture mm -hmm. of, you know, sort of seasoned business people or consultants and young island entrepreneurs and people with quite a, a diverse range of skills. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm really happy to be working with this board. And in, in addition to the board, we're, we've also established a collection of working groups mm -hmm. that are responsible for various aspects of, of CETA's activities. Um, and we're just getting started with kind of spinning those up and starting to work on projects. And we're, we're very open for folks who are enthusiastic about some aspect of what we're doing to join those groups and, and help uh, move things forward. And is CETA a membership organization? Or is it a board-only organization? What type of uh, BC nonprofit is it? It is a membership organization. Mm -hmm. Right now our membership is quite small. 
Um, it, it has an odd history because initially Chibata was established as a as a branch or in some form of association with the Discovery Islands Chamber of Commerce. Oh, right. And then it sort of shifted to a more standard uh, society mm-hmm. model. And so I think there are perhaps some some overhangs from that uh, background. But yeah, right now we are we are a membership organization, but we have a very small membership. So people who would like to support CETA, one thing they could do is take out a membership? You certainly could. Yeah, that would be encouraged. And also just just coming to events or, or stepping in to help with organizing. And do you have a website yet? Sort of. <laughs> sort of. We, we, we actually don't have a website as CETA yet. Um, there is a Chibata website, which was pretty much entirely repurposed for the LEAP report and the LEAP process. Um, and we have a, a very nice CETA domain name, which is cced.ca. Oh, right. Um, and that right now redirects to the, the Chibata Leap website. Um, so that's the best way to, to get in touch or to find out more about sort of the background that CETA emerged out of. And we're going to be up- updating that in the near future to talk more about what we're currently doing. So at the moment, how would people contact CETA? If you don't quite have your website together yet, is there a contact address? Or? There is. The, you, you can go to cced.ca, mm-hmm. and there is a contact form there, which will reach us. Um, and you can also email info at cced.ca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the best way at the moment. Um, short of just bumping into one of the board members at the co-op or or somewhere else. And this show does uh, have the option of call-ins. The Cortez Radio phone number is 935-0200. That's 0200. We'd like to talk a little bit longer about a couple of other topics, but by the half hour, uh, we'd be interested in taking any questions that people in the audience have about Cortez economic development, about what CETA can offer, and uh, maybe what suggestions you have for CETA. So one thing I'd like to um, to talk about here is I know you and a number of other people from Cortez attended the uh, Rural Island Economic something forum a few weeks ago. That's right, Rural Islands Economic Forum. Economic Forum, which was basically a gathering of communities fairly similar to our own. People on Gulf Islands, people on Discovery Islands all got together and started talking about that we all face the same issues. And so you attended that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was a it was a fantastic event, I think. It was well organized by some very capable people um, and a really interesting mix of folks, including people from places like Cortez, uh, Gabriola, Lesquiti, small islands, also from Salt Spring and Hornby, and then uh, a range of people from like, the federal government, from the provincial government, for from different funding agencies, from Community Futures, uh, from foundations, and, and just a fascinating mix of people. And we had a big crew of Cortez folks there. I think there were six of us. Wow. So we were well well represented I'd say overrepresented <laughs> perhaps uh, but we had a I think we had a good time and it just was really in- encouraging and interesting to 
to see the commonality um, in the, the issues that are faced. Oh, um, so you heard a lot of resonating issues from other communities. Right. Mm. Yeah. And particularly, I think, the, the kind of ambivalence around tourism and mm. challenges with housing and housing affordability, um, relationships to other levels of government. And, and, then, and then it was also really interesting to see how other islands have their, their in, in, in either positive or negative ways, further ahead than us. Their, their sort of trajectories have proceeded, whether that's um, in being kind of overrun with tourists or, or developing uh, more conscious community economic development programs or organizations that are sort of the count the the counterpoint to CETA in their communities that have taken on businesses or that have started community investment co-ops um, and mm. to learn from some of these projects that have happened elsewhere and what their successes and their failures were and and it's I think it's going to be interesting to see how this network uh, develops going forward the the group that that pulled together this forum is forming a, a permanent organization, the Rural Islands Economic Partnership, to continue doing things like organizing a forum, but also to see what other forms of networking can happen between the islands. Mm. Well, it's very clear, I mean, that the islands have more in common than we generally have with the other sort of political units that were arbitrarily lumped into. So it makes sense that the islands should network among themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we share some, we share some particular economic challenges and opportunities, I think, uh, just with, with the, the challenges of transport, for example, mm. um, limited housing options. and so Well, forth. and the tourism thing, which of course is, intimately connected to the transport problems and the housing problems. Right. Um, it's, it's a bit of a conundrum for economic development in a way that, for example, Airbnb looks like such a wonderful thing. It's a way for people to be entrepreneurs and earn money locally in their community. But then on the other hand, if your whole housing stock goes into Airbnb, who's going to work at other people's businesses that also want to develop economically on your island? So... Mm -hmm. um, Housing, staffing, transport, they're all part of the same problem for us. Mm -hmm. I think that's very true. And that's, that's where the community economic development approach is mm -hmm. important. Because if we're just looking at economic metrics, then we should support as many, as many Airbnbs as possible. We should be maximizing our, the dollar figure of money that's mm -hmm. coming onto the island. But if we're looking at a more holistic and more long-term approach, then we might say, well, you know, we have to respect the fact that tourism is or and tourism and the and the kind of secondary economies that surround it are how many people on Cortez make their yeah. livelihoods perhaps most people on Cortez in one way or another but at the same time I think it's important for us to think as an island about um, is that the direction that we want to go in on in the long term and what are the alternatives right and and how can we like how can we take something like Airbnb for example um, there's been some conversations about interesting ideas around uh, what would what would it look like if Cortez had its own version of Airbnb 
so that a certain proportion of the revenue wasn't going to a tech company in, in to San this Francisco. huge corporation called exactly. Airbnb. Yeah. yeah, and could we could we kind of recapture island control of that and be able to use that um, that percentage for something useful on the island or for just supporting ourselves economically? And here it seems like we're straying into a somewhat bigger vision in the sense that this community economic development is also partly about autonomy. It's about getting local control of our economic life rather than being purely at the mercy of external factors like external ownership, external financing, and movements in the external financial markets that may have nothing to do with us and yet could, for example, crash our tourism economy. Right. I think I think that that among the people who have come to uh, CETA or to to economic development is something that they're interested in working on. There there's a diversity probably of of opinions, but I think it's it's fair to say that that it would behoove the island to take a, a conscious approach to the development of the economy here in order to avoid being completely at the mercy, like you said, of larger economic forces. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we have limited ability to, to kind of have sovereignty as an island because of where mm -hmm. we sit within political jurisdictions and the fact that we don't have, um, we don't have a political entity that, that we can right. interact with that's Cortez-specific. But what we can do is we can develop our economy so that we have enough economic uh, capacity mm -hmm. that we can compete with the forces of the larger economy. Now, that, that might seem ridiculously ambitious, but it can also be incremental. So, so if we can develop uh, local businesses and local industries so that we actually have the ability, for example, to hire people on the island, um, f doing things that, that folks want to do for livelihood and at a level at which it's a possible to afford housing and, mm -hmm. and a decent lifestyle here. That changes the equation between the economy of Cortez and the larger economy mm -hmm. where, where otherwise we might be just at the mercy of market forces, either whether that's for housing or uh, pressure of, of tourism and um, other ways that we we're sort of, we're sort of at the, that we don't have the ability to make decisions about our right. economy. I mean, the extreme case of that is, um, and we're actually not far from that extreme case, come to think of it, is where you are simply an extraction zone for resources that go elsewhere, are processed elsewhere, the profits are made elsewhere. Um, both the resources and the money basically leave, and all that remains is minimum wage labor for the extraction of those resources. I mean, that's the classic um, sort of exploitative model of a colony. Mm. Um, and then the complete reverse of that is where you have essentially local self-sufficiency, uh, you may not have what we would call wealth, but you have stability, and you're not vulnerable to outside ownership and outside control. The, um, you know, the old joke was that people in Newfoundland never even noticed the Great Depression, partly because they were already poor by conventional standards, but also partly because they simply weren't that 
linked into the larger economy. So when it fell apart, they hardly noticed. Mm -hmm. At least that's the joke. I'm not sure mm -hmm. you know, how, how yeah. true that is in detail. but. Well, I wouldn't uh, want to cast aspersions on Newfoundland, but I think it's it's worth us keeping in mind that there are many definitions of wealth. Yes. And I think on Cortez, uh, it's a place where to some extent people come because their definitions of wealth might not match the urban mm -hmm. definition of wealth that involves mm -hmm. you know, conspicuous consumption or high salaries and, and a fast-paced lifestyle. On Cortez, there are all sorts of wealth that aren't measured in monetary mm -hmm. terms. People might think that wealth is uh, fresh air, clean water, exactly. a relaxed lifestyle, interactions with wildlife, being able to take a walk. with the yeah. community, with their neighbors and friends. Mm. Um, so I think we need to keep that in mind in thinking about economic development. And, and we're, in a sense, I think we're ahead here because... The, the classical model of economics doesn't actually check out in terms of, uh, of contemporary psychology. Like what makes people happy is not what classical mm -hmm. economics is optimizing for. We're much closer to that here. We're, on Cortez, we're much closer to optimizing for what positive psychology or what psychology in, you know, in the 21st century will tell you actually leads to a state of well-being in a human um, things like absence of stress, absence of fear, sense of security, connection to community, connection to community, meaningful work, yeah, leisure time. Yeah. Um, but we're still within the larger economy that's not necessarily prioritizing those things. Mm -hmm. So this is where I think we need to be. We need to keep this in mind and develop our economy to to prioritize those things and not to allow it to be um, sort of overrun by the priorities of the global economy. So going for a moment to the very big picture, I'm assuming that um, within CETA you must have had some discussions about resilience, about whether there's any role that you can play um, that would help make this community more resilient in the face of, for example, climate change, in the face of potential financial events that we can't predict at the moment. Um, have you done some of that big picture thinking? Well, like like most things, as the board of CETA, we haven't really had that conversation, but I think it's clear uh, that th that enters into the conversation about mm -hmm. economics on Cortez. And what I think is really exciting about this work is that we can we can cover a lot of bases at once. By that, I mean that if we can develop our diverse, local, resilient economy, we'll be at the same time future-proofing ourselves against vicissitudes in the larger world be mm -hmm. that climate change or financial collapse or mm -hmm. just financial instability um, and giving ourselves better quality of life now and it i think sounds it's like a win-win well i think so <laughs> and i think it's actually the it's sort of the only practical way of developing that level of resiliency and self-sufficiency mm -hmm. if we can make it economically effective today right 
and that takes some that takes some cleverness it takes some some ingenuity to figure out how for example how we can make local food production economically viable mm-hmm. or how we can make the expansion of local f- food production economically viable because in the economy that we live in in the economy that cortez is embedded in it's very difficult to make doing things in a holistic way at a small scale economically right. viable. So we have to use our we have to use whatever resources we have or whatever intelligence we have to figure out how we can make things like that work on Cortez and that will both support our you know support our life as an island right now and support building the kind of economy that we want to live in and support us to be resilient in the future. So we obviously have some resources here already that are applicable to those problems. I mean we have a couple of working farms. We have a pretty good system of getting local produce into our local co-op store. And I would imagine that the Community Forest Project would be part of the vision that you're talking about here. Uh, mm-hmm. What are some of the other resources that you see us having locally? Well, I think um, the the shellfish and aquaculture industry is one resource that we certainly have. We have, uh, I think, the human resources on Cortez are pretty extraordinary, hmm. and and there are there are opportunities there for for education and for developing businesses. Um, but in terms of things like food, I would be enthusiastic about seeing more food processing happening on the island, more production hmm. of of small scale food products both for our own use to replace purchasing mm-hmm. that's coming from off the island and potentially to sell off the island as well. And, of course, the same thing with forestry, to, to develop right. more of a value-added industry here on Cortez, um, making things that are that are uniquely Cortez rather than uh, shipping logs off the island. And, and, and this is... This is there's a, there's already a, a big group of people that are working on this, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm pretty confident that it will move forward. And and CETA is is keen to play whatever supporting role it can in making that possible. Of course, most of our shellfish at the moment is Island Sea Farms, which is not Cortez owned, and um, both the money and the muscles are heading down to Salt Spring. I, it's not very remote, but it's still remote ownership. Um, but we do have an association of shellfish growers who are local, and if we could get, well, here's where we have some um, roadblocks in our way, one of which, of course, is VIHA's inability to respond appropriately to scale and trying to regulate microproduction with the same heavy hand that has to be applied, frankly, to huge factory production. And yet, when applied to microproduction, it's really discouraging. It, it presents a real barrier for people getting into any kind of uh, meat, dairy, shellfish, um, even cheese production locally. That's something that, well, it's uh, not really within CETA's remit to reform VHA, but it's a change that I'd really like to see personally, is a um, little more sensitivity to scale in our regulatory apparatus. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an area, I think, where inter-community collaboration could be effective. Mm. Cortez is going to have very little 
impact on the Mm -hmm. decisions made by VHA. But if enough small communities get together and say, this is the reform that we'd like to see in order that we can be doing these things that make total sense in our community Mm -hmm. at our scale, then maybe that would have, uh, maybe that would have an effect. Because at the moment, even if you grow your shellfish here, even if you're a local grower, you still have to ship them to a processing facility on Vancouver Island, which is really unnecessary transport if you would like to have sold them and consumed them here. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's kind of a long round trip mm-hmm. if you were hoping to sell locally. Mm-hmm. And I think there, there, there are all sorts of feasibility questions, but uh, a, a possibility that would come up immediately in that conversation is what what scale would it take to be worth setting up a processing facility on Cortez? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know there was one for seafood in the past um, and I was having conversation with a, with someone responsible for seafood production who was talking about this potentially in the future just a, a week ago um, and I have no idea what the feasibility would look like for that but it's the sort of thing that CETA, I think, would like to support at least the exploration of. Mm-hmm. And I know we also have some very entrepreneurial and and motivated local young shellfish growers who, mm-hmm. who have all sorts of ideas for how to to make their operations uh, more efficient or maybe there are, maybe there are partnership opportunities among growers on Cortez. Mm-hmm. And, and I think we would like to play whatever facilitating role we can mm-hmm. for that, whether it's you know, uh, accessing business planning support or or financing or connecting potential partners with each other um, or just giving encouragement and being there with whatever resources are needed. Well, let's return for a moment to financing because that's obviously a big issue for people trying to start businesses. And it's a big issue for communities in the sense that most lending is done by great big corporate banks and the interest basically disappears out of the community and goes into these, you know, great big corporate banks. Um, Community lending co-ops are certainly something that's been established in other places. We've done a little bit on the island already with um, the Cortez Volunteer Fire Department obtained financing from another Cortez nonprofit organization for its fire hall remodel so that Another win-win. Basically, the uh, the lending organization received the interest on the loan. The interest was below the bank rate, so the fire department also benefited from that. Um, does Hasida talked at all about um, community lending as a possibility? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a topic that was that was talked about a lot at the Rural Islands Economic Forum, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. And one of the takeaways that I came from that event with is that that with the appropriate structure in place, it's not too hard to access capital. And mm. the, the structure that for for kind of community financing that was most talked about at the forum that I heard was the community investment co-op. And mm. these have been set up in many places around around the world, around BC and on the islands. And the 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 wonderful thing about that is that the model is already developed, mm-hmm. and it's already developed to the extent that um, that the the regulatory environment is mapped out. Okay. So we could adopt a model. We could adopt kind of a, a a blueprint from a different community that would already have solved the question of 
where is the what, what sort of shape of puzzle piece will fit between right. the regulations how do and, we keep the securities and exchange people exactly. happy while still doing local financing exactly within the community yeah. so other people have solved that problem right and i think that's one of the the really important things about collaborating with other communities we don't have to mm. reinvent the wheel for some of this stuff i think the there's been there have been many conversations about this in particular on Cortez and my sense is that it's it's just a matter of time before we're ready to to start up something like that and then we we have um, we have access to probably the folks who would be willing to invest in that instead of investing in an RRSP or in mm -hmm. in stock market and then it's a matter of of developing the process to find and and nurture the the entrepreneurs who would be uh taking mm -hmm. loans um or or maybe it's like what you're describing with a, a loan between two nonprofits, which is mm -hmm. fantastic as well and i think it's been really good to see more of that kind of inter-organization collaboration mm -hmm. going on i think on the island and that's my subjective perspective on it but but I think there have been several substantial projects that have benefited from that kind of collaboration, including the, the housing mm -hmm. project. I'm just going to remind the listeners that you can call in at 935-0200, if you have wonderful ideas for businesses that could flourish on Cortez, or if you would like to make other suggestions to CETA or ask Adam some questions. And we're back with an actual call-in question that came in during the music break. And the question for Adam is about investment co-ops and community lending specifically. Um, some of these projects that you heard about while you were at the Economic Forum, is there how much track record is there on those? Uh, is there any history on this? Are these brand new or is, is there some tradition and some track record? So I don't know, thanks for the question, I don't know the answer uh, specifically around community investment co-ops as a model. I think things like this have been around for at least probably a century, but there at the forum there were people who had run community investment co-ops both in elsewhere in BC and on the islands. And those had been running for, I think, in the neighborhood of 20 years on the long end, and then more recently, uh, for example, on Salt Spring. And they, the, an interesting piece from the Salt Spring example is that they had no trouble raising the capital. Um, what, they, what they had a challenge with is finding places to invest it. And they had a pipeline of, of entrepreneurs. But what they found is there was a lot of dropout as they brought people from the point of having a business idea through doing business planning to being um, ready for community investment. So they found that actually obtaining the capital wasn't the biggest challenge. Right. Once they had the structure in place. And I think it's... It, it, I think we're in a... We're in a unique ecosystem, potentially similar in some ways to other islands, where most people aren't here in order to start big businesses or to 
to, to be high-powered entrepreneurs. Right. Most people have come here actually to get away from the rat race, to get away from the bureaucracy. Yeah. Right. So as CETA, we, we need to be aware of this and also look at the whole spectrum of business support. Maybe some folks are interested in scaling up what they're doing or maybe they're interested in just running more more effective artisan craft businesses mm-hmm. maybe there's something we can do along those lines uh so we i think it's important for us to to be sure to tailor what we're doing to the reality of cortez rather than having an idea about how we're going to support all these entrepreneurs to grow these big businesses mm-hmm. if that's really not the really right. not the reality on the ground with who's here so we've come up with several possibilities that could be beneficial some of them are actually here now like artisanal producers who are already making stuff who could be assisted with expanding their markets or help with running their businesses we have potential changes in our tourism model. Um, certainly, it's a kind of exciting idea that Cortez Island might become famous for some specific institute or learning experience that people come here for, and there's some potential there. We have value-added potential from what resources we still have, like community forest and shellfish production. So it seems like there are a lot of directions for... Uh, economic development to pursue mm-hmm. yeah there are, there are far more directions than we have the capacity for mm. which is why i think it's it's important that we're that we get that we ask the question of the community what is the most important thing for us to focus on and there are a couple other a couple other pieces i'll mention uh Cita owns this chunk of commercial property right near manson's hall that that was gifted to us as oh that is zoned for commercial activity that's right so mm-hmm. so there's a huge opportunity there to develop something that would be a benefit for the island mm-hmm. particularly along economic lines and what that looks like we have we're we're a long ways from knowing yet but but there've been a lot of interesting ideas ranging from um, greenhouses and small agriculture to a business hub or or shared office space or studios or retail space mm-hmm. it's just a really interesting opportunity that Cortez has to think about this this chunk of land which um, is very conveniently located very central that's right yeah. it's right next to the hall and and one of the early one of the potential things that we're looking at doing in the short term is even just expand the Friday market out into that pro- property to start and like to start occupying it with some some interesting economic mm. Activity. Now, is there uh, any development of that property yet? Are there any buildings or infrastructure? No, it's it's bare land. Okay, so there's another case where some capital will be needed to get right. started on yes. that. Yes, capital yeah. will definitely be needed. Um, mm-hmm. But it it's interesting because it's interesting for a bunch of reasons. But one is that we'd like CETA itself to be financially sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and this property potentially could provide an opportunity to do that, to not be as dependent on grant funding as mm-hmm. we might be otherwise. Which is, again, external and imposes external controls. Right, right, yeah. and constraints. 
Um, so we, it would be fantastic to be at least at the operational level to be more mm -hmm. free from that requirement. Um, and there's one other thing that I'll mention that's, that's related to the list of sort of potentials. And that is that there are in conversations that I've had, particularly with tradespeople and people doing uh, construction or, or other um, landscaping running machinery on the island, there's a shortage of various kinds of labor and there are also a lot of trades that come to the island that could be provided potentially locally. So Yeah, you see a lot of contractor trucks on the ferry. Right. And that's yeah. that's uh that's a pretty substantial amount of money that is flowing off the island for off island contractors. So one thing that we would potentially look into is is there a way to to build uh, a training program or some kind of shared staffing so that organizations could 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 sort of join forces to make full-time positions available for people who might want to come to the island to provide a service right um so for example if you have uh, six or seven small businesses and they're all going to campbell river for their accountancy uh, if we could get a really good accountant on the island, we could put together a full-time job out of serving those six or seven small businesses. Right. That's. I, I have no idea how how the landscape actually looks for accounting, but that's an example mm -hmm. of just what, as an illustration. Right. Of, what yeah. would make sense? And and it's partly. I think our role is partly about the coordination of finding out what are the roles where there is enough work on Cortez for a person, mm -hmm. but it may not be identified as a piece that's missing. So mm -hmm. so we would need to speak to those businesses and find out who needs what and how could we put together a package that would make it worthwhile for someone to, to fill mm -hmm. that role. And then how would we make that uh, of benefit for Cortez as well? Hmm, lots of interesting um, possibilities there because, of course, people are going off-island for all kinds of small things. Mm -hmm. you know, little... Um, bits and pieces of service that could be put together into a single position here. Mm -hmm. And I think there's potential also to, to help facilitate partnerships among island entrepreneurs that will give a greater capacity to, to hire specialized um, skills. Mm, such as? Well, for example, if there, are, uh, if there are a few people who are doing some kind of trade that's related for example uh, construction uh, metalworking or or landscaping or whatever and they all need say a certain amount of administrative staff but it wouldn't necessarily be enough work to hire mm -hmm. a person right whereas if those if those businesses kind of combine forces and were able to to amongst them provide a livelihood for somebody doing administration or to share staff for labor as well, mm -hmm. potentially. So I think these are the kinds of um, the kinds of efficiencies that we might be able to help support people hmm. coming to. Well, we are almost at the top of our hour here. And so I'd like to once again get you to give the contact information for CETA for people who would like to participate or ask questions or make suggestions? 
Right. So the best way probably to get through to us is to go to cced.ca. That's uh, for the for the phonetically inclined uh, Charlie Charlie Echo Delta. <laughs> .ca um, or email info at cced.ca. Okay, and you said you had several working committees that yeah, you would love for people groups. to participate in mm-hmm. on specific topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope you'll get a little community response as a result of the show. And thank you very much for being here. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Thank you, Dee. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Cortez Currents, covering news and issues on Cortez Island and beyond. This is CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. Views and opinions heard on this show are not endorsed by Cortez Community Radio Society, but are those of the host and guests. Thanks for listening.